Jay Johnson here, and I want to welcome you today to our daily podcast series, Success Diaries. You have dreams of success, and we're here to give you real-life stories that inspire you. From CEOs, entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners, if they can do it, you can too. No BS, no fluff. Let's get to it. I believe in you. So welcome to Success Diaries. Today, we're going to talk with Kristen Coxon, also known as KC. And Kristen is a success and mindset coach, and she coaches actors. Now, that to me is fascinating. So I'm sure we're going to have a great story. I would just love for you to tell our listeners your journey and how it started and how you ended up where you are and what you do and what makes you get out of bed in the morning excited. Oh, that's a whole bunch of questions and not all of them are related, but one of it's strangely, because the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is (laughs) the desire to look at my property. I live on a beautiful farm on the Sunshine Coast in British Columbia, Canada. And my farm has been a dream for a really long time. And I just absolutely love looking out the window Looking at the window at my own forest that is there because I own it because I replanted the property and reforested it. But how I started, well, my dad was a Christian rock or Christian pop kind of singer back in the 70s and not a very successful one. So we were always on the road with him. He was also a missionary and So we did a lot of playing shows on reserves and on army bases and things like that. And just local stuff like being on stage at church and different things like that. But I am not a great singer. So (laughs) (laughs) I had to find a different way to express myself because I like the connection with the audience a lot. So I decided to try acting and that didn't really work. It wasn't the same as connecting with an audience in the way that I had experienced before. And I was quite shy. And when I was about 17, I was in 16, I was in a car accident where I was partially paralyzed. So by the time I got into acting, it was really hard for me. I hadn't accepted yet that I would never look completely normal compared to the other girls who looked very, very beautiful at that time. And I had a few casting directors or producers actually say she's kind of wonky looking really to my face yeah now how did you handle that at the time I didn't handle it well I let it affect me and because I was having a lot of success coaching the prettier girls in my class so I was still in theater school and they would say hey how would I do this scene and I would say try this and they would book so I was like okay uncomfortable in this situation and I didn't like auditions auditions come very quickly you get very little notice that there's going to be an audition so you have to memorize eight pages the night before you get the audition the next day yeah it's very stressful and I was also very insecure so I just thought well this is the way I'm going to go and seeing my friends be successful was incredibly inspiring and I think because Acting was, for me, it wasn't the same as it was for them. For me, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the whole process of creating characters and the storytelling, but I didn't really want to be an actor. You have to really want it 
for me, yeah. it was just sort of like, well, I'm not really a singer, so maybe I could be an actor. Right. So it wasn't really there for me, but the process I fell in love with. So I continued working like that. And a friend of mine got me a job with a school teaching there. And there was a little bit of notoriety about me at the time. So they were using my notoriety to make money. And I thought, well, <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> I, like, I like that. I like that pause. <laughs> you paused and you kind of rolled your eyes and went, huh. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, it's actually, this is what I could do. And my girlfriend who got me the job at the time, she was like, yeah, I smell what you're cooking. Let's do it together. Really? So would yeah. you say that that was one of the defining moments for you? Her confidence in me was a defining moment. Yeah, I like how you put that. Yeah. Like I knew I wanted to do it and I was going to do it, yeah. but her backing me up, she's a, her name's Michelle Partridge. She's an acting coach. She's running for council in the town that she lives in. And she's just an on fire kind of person and having her back me up meant a lot. Yeah. So you yeah. decided then, oh, Hey, wait, they're going to make money on me. So I'm going to go do this on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get all the money. Cause I think I was making $15 an hour. And they were charging. So I had a student say, and I'm still in touch with the student today. He's a director. He went with me. He left with me. But he directs uh, videos like FIFA. Do you know EA Sports? They make all sorts of videos. They make sports video games. Okay. So he makes these massive, massively popular video games. One of which my son is totally addicted to. <laughs> but anyway... He said, I don't think you know how much they're charging for this class. Because he said he couldn't really afford it. And I said, well, just pick up a shift. And yes, I didn't know what they were charging. I think they were charging something like $5,000 or something. And I was making 15 bucks an hour. And I was like, no, mm, no, that that's does not how it's going to go. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It takes courage to make that move. Yeah. Yeah. More balls and brains because we had no money. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing about being self-employed. A lot of people think like, well, when I get enough money, I'll go do this. I'll go yeah. with my dreams or I'm going to keep saving for the next 20 years. And by the time I'm 45, I'll be able to, stop. but you know, life happens. Savings never accrue. Yeah. Well, we really had no money, like zero, nothing. Like yeah. we were making $15 an hour. We were living in Vancouver, which is a very expensive city. Okay. And we went around and just asked people if we could have a month for free. Is that right? To rent a space. Yeah. Oh. And then we just cobbled together. I don't think we even had enough chairs. Wow. Like for, for, the, for the thing, but we just did it. And it, you know, when you're young and like, I was younger than you were when you started because you yeah. had children. That is truly scary. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, when you have kids. I didn't have kids at the time and, and neither did Michelle. So it was a little bit easier. Yeah. Because you know you have some room to fail. Yes. We didn't, but it was still like, you know, there's that cocky confidence that happens when you're 20 and you're just like, invincible. I kick ass. So. Yeah, you're invincible. <laughs> I love that though. But I don't think you should lose that no matter how old you are. Don't you agree? Like people like, they should really be on fire about life. 
True, but I think you need to sort of ameliorate the confidence with some good practices because I would not start out the way I did then now. Well, how would I have a mortgage? How would you start out now? If you were to give somebody advice today that was thinking about going into the- Well, who is my age? Yeah. Who is my age? Well, I'm 55. So if, if somebody was my age and they were starting out, actually, I would give them the same advice I would give myself then and I give to everyone now, which is small, smart, risky steps. You can start with a mini and then grow that into something bigger. But if you try and start with something that's really big, you go into debt. Sure. And debt is a terrible place to be. I am a passionate aficionado of fiscal responsibility. I'm like so far left that people think I'm a call me a lot. The greatest pleasure of my life is paying bills. I love paying my taxes. I love knowing that I'm contributing to the lights being on and the roads being paved. And I love that feeling that I am a responsible person who can pay bills. So I would never risk beyond where I can pay my bills. I would never put my house at risk. And I would always make sure that I can make enough money to pay my nut. Because being in debt is such, it's a confidence killer. Right. It is a confidence killer. Sure. I mean, it's like an anchor. It's like being tied to an anchor and trying to drag drag it with you. Totally. Your self-esteem gets shot. And yeah, it is like an anchor pulling you down. And so it makes everything twice as hard. Right. And so you don't move as fast. You don't move as confidently. You second guess a lot of things. And actually, you probably contribute to your own failure in a lot of cases. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you started your business, how old were you? I was in my early 20s, maybe 23, 22, 23. I had a little business called White Glove Cleaners to pay my college bills. So I had a little cleaning company. And that, again, I started really small. I made little pamphlets and put them on people's doorsteps (laughs) saying, you know, come hire me to clean. And that got very big. And so I had a business before the acting school. And I had seen how if I was really good and paid attention to detail, then I could get it really big. And all of a sudden I went from it just being me to having four employees and then taking on big contracts for like industrial cleaning kind of stuff. So that I knew that I could do it, but I didn't know I could do it in a glamorous way. I have a broken leg, so I'm a little uncomfortable. So I'm just going to make myself comfortable as much as possible. Make yourself comfortable. Just lay back on the couch and just Make yourself at home. (laughs) So when you opened your acting school, like how many clients did you first get? Like, how did you attract those clients? We had five or six clients. And essentially, like the, the day we opened the doors kind of thing. And then people just kept coming in. We asked our clients to be our word of mouth. We said we want to make this a really good school. At the time, there was no internet or anything like that. So we didn't have money to pay for ads. So so we just asked our clients, totally old school. Actually, one of the things we did was we went for the guerrilla marketing kind of thing. So we made business cards and we actually made them ourselves and went to Kinko's, which was this copy place. I don't know if they had them in the US. We have them in the United States, yeah. You do, okay, yeah. So we made these business cards there was a free magazine, arts magazine. And so on the back of the business cards, we wrote, hey, Judy, this is the class that I told you about, or this is the coach that I told you about. She's great. 
And then we put them in these things as if people were just getting this magazine. We left them in restaurants. And (laughs) guerrilla marketing. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, totally. Totally worked. Totally worked. And we would leave them on bus stops. And then we would ask people, how did you hear about us? Oh, I actually just found this business card that somebody lost. And then we're like, holy shit, it worked. (laughs) So where was this? Was this in Vancouver? This is in Vancouver. Okay. So without the internet and with just local store marketing, right? Local marketing, I'm assuming. Yeah. We just made, we just made up these cards and put them out there. Back in the day, people didn't have Zoom so that you had to actually be in person for the class. Yes. Yeah. So that is local actors paying to come to your class for what purpose? To do what? To work in film and television. Okay. To train them on how to approach the industry or how to act? Not at first. So at first, when I started out, I was just teaching acting. So it was straight like scene study, audition technique, voice movement, all that kind of stuff. I had had some really great teachers, one of which, or one of whom, one of whom is a woman named Trish Allen, who came and actually worked for me about 10 years later after I'd been her student, which was so amazing. It's incredibly gifted voice teacher. So I guess I taught the traditional stuff at first and then, oh, it's a long and twisted tale, but my school got really big. It got like huge. Okay. And like my rent was about $10,000 a month and my overhead was like ridiculous and everybody was making money except for me. Like all the teachers were paying their mortgage. I didn't even own a house. I was living in a bachelor suite kind of thing. Or in a fairly nice place. Sometimes it depends on what happens. Anyway, I have to be careful about how I talk about this because someone has threatened to sue me. But long story short, things didn't go well in the business for me because of a contract I signed when I took on new partners. So because of that, I lost everything, even though it was mine. And I had to start all over again about 11 years ago. So you had it for how many years? Oh my God, a lot of years, like 20 years, I guess. And then you lost it. Lost everything. And during that time, if I'm just thinking about what you said, everybody was making money but you. Yeah. So talk to me about that for just a second, if you can. Because people love to hear these kinds of stories because they're real, right? And it gives them pause right? To make sure that they think about the things, you know, that might occur to them. But I want to talk about the mental side of it. How did you handle that? Well, I wanted to create a space where people would feel valued, but I didn't include myself in that. I also overvalued the abilities of the teachers who worked for me compared to myself. I'm actually a rock star coach. I'm an expert. And especially after all of the years that I taught, I made myself into an expert. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. But there was a combination of things. One was I was learning as I was building it. So I didn't know how much expanding too quickly could hurt me. And this is what I mean about don't really start small. Don't expand too quickly don't get yourself into too much overhead because things that are completely unpredictable, like 
anything like 2008, the, you know, the economy, all unpredictable things will happen. So because I was working with people, I needed a big building with a stage, with a theater, with cameras, with teachers. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge overhead. Then I wanted to only hire the best teachers. So I only hired the best teachers, but they cost money. Then I wanted to get my school so that it could be accredited for people to be able to get student loans, but also to be able to go to university with, if for my school to count as their first year of university. So it was like a trade college kind of thing. Yeah. I did all that, but doing all that was expensive. Getting accredited was like over $10,000 just to get accredited. And then there's all the things that go with that. Like you have to pay a lot of different people to do a lot of different things that have nothing to do with you running the business well. So I did all that and I got accreditation and I was able to take student loans and the universe, two of the universities here in Canada accepted me as a school that would, they would have accreditation. You know, they would offer, give me a, they would say my year was their first year. Right. Yeah. All good. Fabulous. And very unusual, very unusual in my world because Usually people stayed pretty small and it was hard to get accredited. Your program had to be really kick-ass and you had to have really great results. So I'm not great at making money, but I'm great at turning out actors who become well-known or who've never had day jobs. And so there was a person who had another school who was great at making money, but not great at Turning out actors. the other stuff or yeah. being accredited, couldn't get accredited, okay. yeah. couldn't get student loans. Student loans are like the holy grail of an acting institution or any institution, because that means you get money no matter what. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I signed a contract with him because he said, you just do the curriculum, I'll bring in the money. And there was a part in the contract that said, if I didn't do something by a certain date, the company would go to him. And so that's what happened. No. Yeah. So that was tough. That was really tough. But my fault, my responsibility. So then I decided to work online and just to work for myself and to stay really, really small. And traditionally, even over the course of the years that I worked, I always had really small classes because I felt like if I could see into the souls of my students, it would be that much easier for me to make them successful. So I would work with very few people, only 10 people usually, and usually for about 10 years, because it takes about 10 years to get you from just being a working actor to being somebody who's got like 3 million people on their Instagram, that kind of thing. Okay. So that's generally how I would work with people. So then I thought, okay, that's it. I'm moving to the country. (laughs) I'm getting my little farm (laughs) and I'm going to work online and I'm going to work from home and I'm just going to work with 10 actors and that's just the way it's going to be. And so when I was working with those 10 actors, I would work on mindset. I would work on success. I would work on acting. I would work on anything, them creating the person that they needed to be, to be successful. And I had always done that, but now I was doing this intensely just with 10 people. And you're actually doing it yourself. And I'm doing it. So you have total control. Total control. I pay the rent. How did that feel? It felt really, 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 really good. Again, and power. Own property and to have a place where I felt at ease and at home. I've never felt at ease and at home in the film and TV world. I'm pretty quiet. And when I'm not working, I'm on my farm. So anyway, <laughs> COVID hit 
I was, that was my next question, actually, as you were talking, like, how did your business, how was it affected by COVID in 2020? So COVID hit and I felt really bad. I thought it was going to ruin the film industry. So I said, I just post out there saying, I'm going to do a free class every day of the week for as long as this thing lasts. And so if you want to come, it's going to make me feel good to be able to contribute and you're going to stay engaged. And I have this thing that I call CAPE. And what I've learned that is if you do this CAPE business in your practice, then it shows up everywhere in your life and you're successful with whatever you do. So challenge this, how you want to feel. You know, Stephen Covey, I think his name is, he talks about habits. And oh, one Stephen of the, Covey. Stephen Covey, yeah. Start with Stephen the end habits. in mind, his idea. So yeah. the end in mind, I thought I want to feel challenged. I want to feel accomplished. I want to feel powerful and I want to be engaged. So yeah. if I have my cape on, I'm always going to feel that way. So I'm going to be successful no matter what. I'm I just, like just going to happen because that's like the way that. I'm going to feel as a success. So that's the way I feel. So I started teaching this and I started teaching other things that I teach to people online. And I started getting a following, which is very, was, was very uncomfortable with me. I've been doing some mindset work with myself and it got big and I had to learn how to be comfortable with it. And I am. Yeah. And I now have like 3,500 regular clients who are watching me do these lessons all the time. And I made a little business out of helping people learn how to think about themselves and how to create a character to step into whenever they need to do their work. I'm not saying abandon ship on the person that you are. I'm saying right. actors know that you can create a character. So anybody can do it. And right. you just can step into this character and then step out whenever it's not comfortable and then step in when you want to do it. And then eventually, if you like being this other way and you can modify it whenever you want to, then you'll just be more successful. Hmm. So your process allows them to get into character yeah, like with less stress than the average person maybe getting little notice for an audition and then stressing about everything. They've got the process that moves them into that position with confidence. Yes. I try to, to help people change their outlook in terms of a success and be auditioning, but it works for anything. Like I used to teach the daughter of this woman who has a spice company and she said, I will, I'll take your course, <laughs> your mindset course. It's called the creativity sessions. She said, I'll take it. And she doubled her income the year she took the course. She wasn't the only one. There was writers who did it and it just works to help you create the given circumstances of a life that you want to lead and the given circumstances of the person that you'd like to be. And you can always adjust it. That's cool. Always adjust it just by changing the given circumstances. So is there a favorite story that you can tell us of somebody who came to you and then accomplished that? Like that really means something to you that stands out? Oh God. I don't know if I can tell it without crying. I have a couple you got me. <laughs> so I don't mean to get you. I just think it's like so empowering for people to it hear is. these kind of stories. There's a story. There's a couple of stories. One is a, an actor named Caleb Worthy. He's quite successful. He was in a show called Austin and Alley, which if you watch Disney as 
10 years ago, you would just be like, oh my God, so <laughs> Disney star. But he's also working on a series with Tony Collette right now that's on Netflix and he's done tons of work and he's got to work with all of the people that he so adored. But he was a client that I worked with for a number of years. And when he first started getting into acting, he also started piano and he was brilliant at piano. Well, yeah. And not brilliant at acting. It did not come easy, but he loved acting. He didn't love piano. And so he just worked at it and worked at it, worked at it and success came and at a fairly high level, fairly quickly. He never stopped working. He was nine when he started. (laughs) Then in the teenage years, this casting director came into my studio after I had coached him and said, you know, he was cute as a kid and he worked all the time, but he's not going to work as an adult because he's a redhead and no one wants to fuck a redhead. And I was like, (laughs) whoa, okay, that's a lesson. I need to teach him to be the weirdo. I need to teach him to be the kid who's the outsider because the only way he's going to be successful is to develop his clown and develop his freak show kind of thing. So we did that. And that's exactly what happened. And he won awards for that work. And he's continued to be successful. He has never had a day job. That's amazing. How did you approach that subject with him? I said, you're a redhead and no one wants to fuck. No, I didn't. I didn't say that at all. (laughs) I said, Galen, redheads are hard to fit in families as they get older. And they're also not seen as leading men. So you can either dye your hair or we can lean into what you've got, which is going to make you more marketable anyway, because there's less of you out there. So let's say this is the way we're going to go and let's do it. And he was like, I'm on it, on a coach. That's that's a great response. So then the same casting director came in the same day when I was coaching another kid whose name is Avin Jogia. And if your kids watch Nickelodeon, they're going to be like, oh my God, that's bad. (laughs) So she came in and she said, boy, you have a thing for losers. He's nobody knows where to put him. Nobody even knows what he is. He's a mixed race kid. He's part East Indian and part British Mm -hmm. ethnicity, Canadian really, but you know, that mix. Sure. And I was like, whoa, okay. We don't know where to put him. We don't know where he's a mystery. He is a mystery and he's very much a leading man. He's really cute. So let's build in that at the time, this was before the whole Johnny Depp thing went down. I said, let's build in that Johnny Depp thing. Let's build in that like mysterious. We don't know what you are. We don't know who you are. So we did that and it worked for him and they're both adults now. But I think both of them have over 3 million people on their Instagram and they're the kind of actors who get offers. That was a tremendous moment in my career where I realized there's more than I'm going to do here. Oh, and then Caleb got asked by Al Gore to work with him in the Paris Accord for climate change because Caleb is a climate advocate. And then Bono asked him to work on on the rights of girls and women because he's also an advocate for the rights of girls and women. So huh. she was wrong. That casting director was so wrong. Right. I and, love how you turn that like adversity into like, this is what we're going to do. Oh let's yeah. Play. You lean into the shit. As soon as there's a problem, I'm just like, let's make this work. Okay. So those are really good stories. Thank you for sharing those. The reason that it's so powerful is because of those little lines that you say as the listeners hear this and you said, 
you lean into it. Yeah. So critical piece of information for people yeah. who do want to be successful because everybody has challenges, right? Everybody has adversity. Yeah. So you bring it in through your filter, right? And you don't necessarily just automatically respond because you brought up a certain way and you could be conditioned to think a certain way. But those words are lean into it. Like don't shy away from it. There's an opportunity there. Yeah. It can be huge. So I think that's great. I think that's a really good message. So I really want to thank you for sharing those. That was was a great pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what lights you up every day. Your work, like those kind of moments. Those kind of moments, but I have a mandate to coach people who are pro-LGBTQ, who believe in the rights of anybody who has any ability, who are non-bigoted, anti-racist, feminist, that kind of thing, who have a passion for the environment. Caleb is one of them, and Avin wrote a book about being mixed race. I have a passion for this, and I think that the more people who are open and kind and loving and not a bigot who are successful, the better we're going to be. So I'm on a mission. This is not just about coaching actors. It's about coaching a certain kind of person to be successful, whether they're an actor or not. I'd really like to help actors become more powerful in that way. But if it's someone who's not an actor who wants to change find a way to change themselves to be more powerful in their life and work towards their dream. I'm in. Yeah. I want to work that way. That's powerful. So who was your biggest inspiration? You have anybody that you look back on and go, wow, that person really inspired me to do this or do that. There are a couple. I grew up in the North and the North is pretty tough, close to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And there was this woman Diane, I don't even remember her last name. And she did construction. (laughs) And I was just like, wow, you're cool. She was the only (laughs) one. And I had a woman studies teacher who helped me see that my dream to work in, in the film and television world was valid, that the stories I wanted to tell were important. And that I thought I had to become different than what I am. I'm not anti-intellectual at all, but I didn't finish grade nine. So I did not have a great education and I worked very hard to get to the place where I could go to college. And then she opened my eyes that there are other ways to dream, other ways to live, and that I could be successful with my stories. And so that was huge for me, was that the stories were valid. How old were you when you got that message? I was very young, maybe 20. It's nice she came along. Oh, God. She was that way for so many people. Really? Yeah. She taught at a university and a college here in Vancouver. And she also ran the Folk Fest here. And she was a man. They would have called her a mensch. She was just like a good person. Yeah, That's good. So what advice would you give people who are thinking about going into business today? Whether they're going to coaching or a marketing agency or an online coaching system, whatever it would be like, what advice would you give them? Put your head down and work and enjoy paying bills. Make Mm -hmm. it a pleasure to pay the bills. Make it a mark of success that Mm -hmm. you can pay the bills and understand what money is. It is your ability to be free. And so 
if I was talking especially to young women, because okay. there's this idea that if you as a woman say, I want to be wealthy and have lots of money, that there's really something wrong with you. Because we're not, <laughs> I think we're supposed to be more humble. But I think I would say just enjoy what it gives you, which is the freedom and the ability, the, the ability to be responsible, the freedom to do what you want, and the confidence to walk into. I remember what it was like as a child. I didn't have shoes that had bottoms in them. I had the cardboard soles. And I remember what it's like to have wet feet and be cold. I mm. never, ever will feel that way. I do find now I want to work a lot less. I enjoy my time off. I love my farm. I love being there with my husband and my son and financial success took a long time to come for me. So it, I value it a lot and I value what I got from it and I want to experience what I got from it. Yeah, well, I really want to say thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you, right? And, you. and I really think that you've probably given the listeners a really great story. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You will inspire some of them for sure because- I mean, we all face adversity, we all face challenges and how you deal with it and how you overcome it. And I'm sure there are points in that journey where it was extremely hard. You know, it's like for men, we go in the cave when things are wrong. We don't really communicate. We go in the cave and we finally figure it out. We come back out. And sometimes that could be months. Yeah. <laughs> months is short. Yeah, or years. Absolutely. <laughs> So thank you for sharing your journey with us. I really appreciate it. So why don't you tell our listeners, like, if they're interested in finding more about you, how they could get in touch with you? Sure. They can find me at screenactingschool.com or they can find me in my Facebook group, which is also screenactingschool.com or screenactingschool, I should say. Screenactingschool. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And I really appreciate meeting you and thank you for sharing your journey on success. Oh, it's a pleasure. This has been wonderful. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. Make sure you subscribe to the show in iTunes or wherever you consume podcast information. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a four or five star rating and a comment with a review below. We hope you truly learned something today. Share this podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.